Hey friends, Max Kirkham, executive producer for It's Personal, speaking today with my good friend and former coworker, Marin English, about her performance from our Bitches Get Personal show in June 2020. After sharing her journey of finding her voice, Marin and I talked about self-empowerment, comedy, and the Disney Channel original movie, Lemonade Mouth. Stick around and let's get personal. You like that? Stick, stick around, Lemonade Mouth. Okay, let's get personal. <laughs> fast. Uh, that's something my friends know about me. I speak quickly and people usually assume I'm from the Midwest because of the way I talk and the fact that I'm like this. I give off a very like, do you want to see my shell collection kind of vibe. I'm dorky cute and I like being dorky cute. And a lot of the guys who I usually end up liking are dorky cute. To all of the models and bodybuilders out there lining up to win my affection, <clears throat> you terrify me. And you probably don't know enough about the movie Lemonade Mouth. Just how it is. I also like jokes that are fast, or part of what makes them funny is that they're told or spoken quickly or they involve a long string of words. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Shit's hilarious. The reason the Big Bang Theory was on for 12 seasons is because they talked too fast to get cancelled. The network would come in and be like, hey guys, we don't know if this is working. And Jim Parsons is rocking back and forth in a corner like antimony, arsenic, aluminum, and sexism. Like, I guess we will come back later. I've gotten better about the pace that I talk over the years. And as much as it is like a lighthearted joke with friends, I talked fast for most of my life because I felt like I didn't deserve to take up the same amount of time or space as other people. I didn't think what I had to say was as deserving of the same amount of importance or the same amount of air that someone else would use to say the same thing. And a lot of people around me acted in a way that said that they agreed with that. I wasn't worth the same amount of thought or attention as everybody else and that became very clear. So eventually I went from talking fast to avoid being a bother to not talking at all. And then I started watching stand-up comedy and it was like I had finally found this small doorway into the world that I hadn't been able to find before. And finally, slowly, people started listening to me if I had something funny to say. And that something funny was usually self-deprecating because that's what my audience expected. But I was so happy that people were listening to me at all that I had unknowingly entered into this social service industry. For everyone else, seats were free at any time, but for me, I had to pay just to get in the door. Do you know how shitty that is when you're 14 and all you want in the entire world is just to have a couple of friends that you can hang out with on weekends? And all the people you know want is for you to repeat that joke you said? so they can tell it to their actual friends later. Just because you know someone will always do something for you doesn't mean you have a right to always make them. I do not let people charge me that entry fee anymore. 
And I don't tell self-deprecating jokes anymore either. Do I laugh at myself? Yeah. I'm a goofball and I'm clumsy and I once tried to flirt with a guy by telling him he looked sad and lonely, no questions at this time. But I don't tell jokes at my own expense or that put myself down or that don't make me happy because I do not exist to please others and I deserve to take up space whether I am making you laugh or not. If I want you to see my shell collection, I will show you my frickin' shell collection. Bridget Mandler's a better singer than she gets credit for. Deal with it. Because making other people laugh just so they'd hear me once in a while wasn't gonna help when I was gonna kill myself the day of my high school graduation. What helped was realizing that I deserve to take up space in the world, no matter how I or anybody else feels about it, and finding people who celebrate me doing so. So if you're 14, physically or spiritually or whatever, and telling jokes about how awkward you are to the people who are making you feel awkward just to make themselves feel better, your existence in the world should be guilt-free, and I have enjoyed taking up this space with you. Hi, Marin. Hello. Welcome to It's Personal, the podcast. It's great to finally have you. Thank you. I'm very excited. How's it going? How's your, uh, how's pandemic life treating you? <laughs> it's been interesting, uh, but it's been, it's yeah. been good overall. I've gotten to spend more time with my family and helping them out and stuff like that, which has been nice. That's good. It's probably time you wouldn't have gotten if there wasn't a pandemic. Exactly, yeah. Definitely helped yeah. slow down a little bit, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, this was um, Bitches Get Personal, so mm -hmm. it was the third online show that It's Personal had done. Um, had you ever been part of a, like a virtual online show like this before? No, I don't think so. I think this was the... Yeah, the first one that I mm. that I did. But but you've performed on stage before, right? Yeah. In other in other contexts. So how was this different than like some of your other experiences? Like the not having an audience right there to like react was definitely kind of a little bit of an adjustment yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, obviously like when I try to do comedy and stuff, it's like you'd want to hear people laughing to know if it's going okay. Yeah, and it's stuff part like of the that. reason you do comedy. Yeah. But it was also really nice because I felt like I could like prepare a little bit more and be more like comfortable like in my space and stuff while I was doing it. So it was less work of like going to a theater and like getting everything right. set up and all that different stuff. Do you feel like you could be more personal? Like you could talk about maybe a deeper subject matter than you would have otherwise? Yeah, I think so. I think it helped it feel because we were filming it, you know, more close up than just like everybody seeing it on stage. I think it definitely made it feel more like just FaceTiming somebody or something yeah. like that rather than, you know, like actually like performing out to a whole bunch of yeah. a whole bunch of people. Yeah, that's fair. Now, when uh, you heard that you were going to be in the Bitches Get Personal show, when you were asked to be in it, what brought this about like why did you decide to talk about uh, what you ended up talking about 
I think it was something that I had like wanted to write about, but didn't really have like a reason or like a place to share it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out like what bitches get personal like entailed, I was like, oh, this sounds like awesome. This sounds like a great way to be able to talk about like, I don't know, the whole combination of things that I enjoy talking about, like mental health and comedy and how I have navigated my anxiety surrounding people and comedy and mental health and all of that different stuff. So it was just a great way to kind of like put all of it together. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit into the actual, the the meat of your piece. It feels like you you go on a little bit of a journey, right? You ta- You tell us about how you started to express yourself at the beginning and you talked really fast because you felt it was better to say something fast than to feel like you uh, weren't necessarily going to be listened to. And then you find your way into comedy. And I want to talk a little bit about like, you know, you talk about you listen to stand up and you found that door. Like, what was it about stand up comedy that became that door for you? Yeah, for one thing, it was something that I like bonded with my sister over. And so that Mm. made it really special because my sister was kind of the person who showed me a lot of like my first stand up comedy. Older or younger sister? Older sister. Okay. Yeah, so her and her husband had, like, found these different, like, comedy specials or things that they liked, and then they'd show me, and we'd all watch it together and have, like, a really good time. So that made it, like, special, and right off the bat, it was just a very different form of joke structure and, like, making people laugh than I had, like, seen Mm -hmm. before, because I had mostly just been doing, like, pretty much all musical theater. Mm -hmm. And so it was cool to see, like, oh, like, you can be performing but like also you're not like playing a different character you're playing you but you still it was just a combination of things that I really liked but I for a while I I had never thought about actually like doing it I just thought it was really cool and I liked watching Mm -hmm. it but I didn't think that I would be any good at it and then what was the so my college uh, Loyola Marymount in the theater department they have a comedy class that they do like once every couple years okay that's taught by one of the professors at the school who's been like a professional comedian and done different stuff like that oh fantastic and i took the class because i liked comedy and my friends were taking it and like he was a funny professor so i liked him and we would learn about like improv and like sketch writing and stuff like that but then our final was we had to do five to seven minutes of our own original stand-up And so I went in kind of like, yeah, this will be fun. Like, I'm excited to do it, but I don't think I'll actually like really be any good at it or whatever. I don't know. Like, I was still doing musical theater and doing a lot of different stuff like that. But then as we went along and did it, I just started figuring out that I really, really liked it. And that like my brain kind of came up with jokes in that format, like a little bit more easily. than You felt like you took like a natural shining to it. Yeah. And I mean, we also the professor also definitely helped a lot because he'd be like, this is not how jokes work. You need to make this one different. (laughs) And he'd do that for everybody. You know, like he'd he'd be like, that was a weird sentence. You can't say that. (laughs) That doesn't make sense within the context Uh of what you're talking about. Sure. And so, like, obviously it was, like, trial and error and all that different stuff. But right. having having that class, like, I, I don't think I would have been able to, like, start out doing it had I not learned, like, the structure and some of the tricks of it, like, from that class. 
Right. It sounds like he really helped to helped you to find something that has now kind of defined who you are and what you're pursuing in the real world. Definitely. Yeah. The definition of a great college teacher. Yeah. And he was also very supportive and very kind of like more confident in my abilities than I was at first, which I think was really like, you know, helpful and really nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's always helpful to have someone see the uh, the end goal for you if you're not able to visualize that. Yeah, definitely. For him to be like, yeah, Marin, I think you're good at this. And for, <laughs> for me to be like, oh, I don't I don't have any sense of, of yeah. whether how well this is going yeah, or not. That outside just, perspective. Yeah, it was just definitely really nice and really helpful. Yeah. You you talk a little bit about once you find that kind of comedy world, you find that door that you can kind of walk through and then you find that on the other side of that door there's still this world where people are they're still not being exactly who you need them to be, right? At first they were like not paying attention. They weren't, they didn't want to listen to you. And now they're taking advantage. They just want to hear your jokes so that they can take them to their parties or to wherever to tell them again later. Mm -hmm. What was then your final step? Because you have this great line. You said, just because you know someone will always do something for you doesn't mean you should always make them. And then right after there, you said, I, I do not let people charge me that entry fee anymore. Mm -hmm. what, what was that step for you? That kind of... I don't know. I think it was kind of a like a development over time of just mm. me getting more confident with like who I am as a person, I mm -hmm. think was a big part of it. And I think the type of like writing you do and the type of jokes that you make can kind of help you or like parallel your kind of like journey with that, if that for makes sure. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like the stand up that I did for my college class for the final was a lot of like, I'm so awkward. These are like self-deprecating jokes. Here's like a funny thing that I got like pranked in middle school and like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like that was that was how I felt comfortable enough to like walk through the door mm -hmm. and like to like take up some space. And then right. once I started taking up space, I was like, I this isn't the kind of space that I want to be taking up because I want to like feel good about myself and like I already get people telling me I'm you know dorky or awkward all the time and like I don't need to be like perpetuating that myself I can be yeah. like hey yes I am these things but I am also funny and smart and I have these other experiences and I'm allowed to be confident I think was a big thing for me is I just felt like oh like if you're confident like people will just think I'm like snooty or something like that. Yeah, like I felt I like can't, I couldn't be like that. But it's like, no, I can just be confident in my existence. And that's still definitely something that I like am working on. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I've gotten a lot better about. Yeah, that's that's also I, I love that part at the end where you talk about how you you still make jokes about yourself. You just don't do them at your own expense. Mm -hmm. So I love that you kind of make, you see that difference uh, in your um, in your comedy style. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I do silly, weird things all the time. And I, mm -hmm. I like talking <laughs> about them. I like the fact that I have a bunch of weird stories and stuff like right. that. But I don't talk about them in the lens of, oh, because I'm such a dork, like this happens. It's just like, no, weird, weird stuff happened. And it was pretty funny. <laughs> Right. The dorkiness kind of shades the crazy things that are happening. The dorkiness mm -hmm. is not the cause of the things that are yeah. happening. Yeah, that's a, a very healthy, very uh, evolved way of thinking about things. I also wanted to talk about this one last line. I think it's, for me, it was 
the most important line of your entire piece. Mm. And you said, I deserve to take up space in the world no matter how I or anyone else feels about it. Mm-hmm. That's wow. That's that's a powerful line. Thank you. How did I mean, where does that come from? Um, I mean, it just came from a lot of like, I don't know, thinking about primarily my like middle school and high school experience and just how often I would like be present in a group of people, but I didn't either have anything to say or couldn't really get any of my Mm. thoughts to be listened to. I've told a joke before where it's like the most common thing that I heard in high school when I would talk was like, oh shit, when did you get here? Like people (laughs) were just so surprised by my presence because I had been so quiet that like when I did try and talk, they were like, oh my God, I didn't even notice you were here. Just thinking about how that kind of affected me, because it definitely made me feel like more of an introvert than I actually was, I think, just because I didn't feel comfortable in being able to, like, express myself and, like, talk to people and stuff like that. Mm. And so it was partially like, yeah, other people are interrupting me or, like, not letting me talk or whatever, but it was also me feeling like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't waste people's time by talking. And so it was kind of a combination of those two things that gave me that mindset that I eventually, once I made healthier friends and like became more comfortable in myself and stuff like that, then I was able to be like, no, I I like talking to people. I like taking up space. I like telling stories. I like telling jokes. And like other people are allowed to do that. So I am allowed to do that too. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like a a mindset change. A mindset, and I think you you hit on an important point there. It's surrounding yourself with healthy people. Oh, absolutely. healthy friends. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Hard to see that in middle school, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hard to know any healthy people in middle school because everybody's just kind of going through it. Exactly. I mean, I don't know that anyone can say that they were themselves healthy people mm-hmm. in, uh, in middle school. That's why I think it's uh, like middle school teachers deserve awards or oh yes or monthly raises or and therapy something. and so many things at, at a bare minimum yeah. free therapy on society mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> <laughs> there's two questions i have that are on the lighter side mm-hmm. th- that you mentioned uh um, the first is I want to know about this shell collection you mentioned it twice <laughs> do you actually have a shell collection so not kind of i <laughs> not really kind of <laughs> i feel like i i'm a, i'm just a person who seems like i have some sort of like quirky collection of things uh-huh. just in general and i do i'll get very cuz like i'm add and so i'll get very hyper focused on like the current like interest that i have and so then right. like especially when i was little i would like if I was super into stickers, I would get like a thousand stickers and like. Amen. I'm diagnosed ADHD, so I understand oh. that a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. It's either yeah. not focusing or focusing too much on something. Yes, exactly. pretty much for me at least. But I was thinking of it because my sister used to have a collection of like sand dollars mm-hmm. um, that she would get when she would go to the beach, and so I was like, I'm gonna put that in there. It's just like a little <laughs> thing. And then she watched the show when we did it, and she was like wait, do you have a a shell collection? I was like, no, but you do. And she was like, you're right. That is absolutely correct. That's really funny. Yeah. Like that you you claimed your sister's shell collection just for a moment, just for a night. The other question is, what is the movie Lemonade Mouth about? (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's a Disney Channel original movie that... <laughs> I'm into it already. <laughs> and just delighted by like early 2000s and like 90s Disney Channel original movies because I just, mm -hmm. a lot of them were on Disney Channel when I was little. I say let's blade bra all the time. If you, uh, Brink, yeah? Yeah. I, yeah, my big, my big two were Luck of the Irish. Yes. And uh, The 13th Year. Yes. Those were my two uh -huh. favorites. Lemonade Mouth Lemonade was a little Mouth. bit later, but it's full okay. of bops. It's because it's about these kids, they get in detention and then they form a band in detention uh -huh. and then they all drink lemonade. So they call themselves Lemonade Mouth. I don't, they never Love really it. explain that part very clearly. Makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> but it's about them trying to be a great band and going through it and stuff like that. And it has like Bridget Mendler, oh, who was like, okay. she did like Good Luck Charlie or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But it's just a fun, it just has so many great bops. I'm just a big fan. All right. We're gonna have to, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm to find a, I wonder if, it, I guess it would be on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, I would assume it would be. Um, let's talk a little bit about the process of its personal itself. What was rehearsal like for you? Like, what was your piece when you first went to rehearsal on day one versus what did it evolve into by the time you got to the actual show? Did it change a lot? For this show, I'm pretty sure I kept it pretty much the same. I had gone through a couple of friends before the first rehearsal to be like, hey, can you read this and like tell me what you think? Mm -hmm. And so they'd given me like little like changes. But I think once I brought it to like the Zoom read through or the first rehearsal or whatever it was, I think I was really like surprised and like pleased and like honored that the people who were in the show like liked it and thought that it was like, you know, funny and also like emotional and stuff like that. Cause I didn't really have any gauge of like, I don't know if this is gonna be good or super not funny or super funny or whatever, <laughs> you know, kind of anything in between. So getting the feedback and being able to see people's reactions was really nice. And then I think I just worked a lot on kind of my delivery of it mm. and like how I wanted to do that and making myself slow down when I talked to like, emphasize what I was talking about. Yeah. Do you think that you would have performed it differently if you had been on stage than if you were doing it over Zoom? I, I do. I think so. I think it probably just, yeah, would have been a little bit like bigger or like broader mm. than it was when we did it over Zoom. Because yeah, I, I definitely got to, you know, make mm. it more personal and feel a little bit more like one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas if I was on stage, I think I would have been more like, am I standing weird and like needing yeah. to make sure that I look around and like yeah. I'm addressing like everybody who's there and stuff like that, so. Right. Now, Bitches Get Personal, of course, is the one show every year that is all women. Mm -hmm. It's the only all women show for its personal. What was that like, being in a cast of all women and a crew actually of all women for that show as well? Yeah, it was very... I mean, it was very nice. I was also in a sorority, so I've had, like, the, okay. <laughs> the all-female groups. What sorority were you in? I was in uh, Tri-Delta. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It doesn't, it's got, you know, it's got stuff. <laughs> I was in one, too. I'm wearing my shirt. Alpha Psi Omega, the... Uh... Oh, I was also APO. APO. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but no, it was nice, and I definitely felt very, like, safe and, like, supported mm. by everybody who was in that show. And yeah, just very like welcomed and like it made me it made me feel very like excited about the about the whole thing. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. 
two more questions. Mm -hmm. The first is uh, going back to your piece just for a moment. Mm -hmm. You said that you once flirted with a guy by saying he looked sad and lonely. Yeah. Now, in your piece, you said no questions <laughs> at this time. It's not that time anymore. This is true. So, questions. So, basically, <laughs> this was literally my brain just kind of like putting words together without me like processing what the words were. Sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had gone to a friend's house party my junior or senior year of college. And I knew a bunch of the people there. And so I was standing like talking with people, but there was a guy who was off to the side who was just standing by himself. And I was like, oh no, like I want, like if that was me, I would want someone to like invite me to like talk or like introduce myself mm -hmm. or whatever. And he was also very attractive. So I was like nervous because I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like <laughs> be helpful and do this and also see if, I can flirt with this guy. And so then I went over and I said, hi. And what I, my intention was to be like, you're standing by yourself. Don't do that. Come <laughs> hang out over here. But what I said uh -huh. was, hello, you look sad and lonely. <laughs> and then I was like, not, not, you did, I, I, and then I, oh, it no. really went downhill and I was like, ah, my name is Marin name of you <laughs> is and then he said whatever his name Oof. was and I was like great I'm gonna go inside <laughs> and I just went inside <laughs> and did not make eye contact with him for the rest of wow. the evening yikes yeah that was a, a well swing swing and a miss <laughs> but still a swing it's true. a, a well-meaning attempt yeah. but I think he was also kind of like I'm, I'm fine just standing over here by myself why is this strange person suddenly like <laughs> rambling at me and I'm like you know what that's that's valid strange person all of a sudden accusing <laughs> me of being sad and lonely I'm fine yeah <laughs> yeah um that's funny thank you for, for <laughs> indulging yeah. in the question my final question, we, we like to end the podcast by asking something that has to do with the theme of the show itself. Mm. For Bitches Get Personal, I think I, I like to ask, what does the word bitch mean to you? That's a good question. Um, do you see it as a bad word? No, not. I, I definitely have, I think it's definitely transferred in my mind from being kind of a bat like a like a negative term to kind of being like equating to like when people say like boss babe or like whatever like okay. that type of girl boss or whatever that is right just because I've seen a lot of really wonderful things online that are people like empowering themselves through being like, okay, yeah, I'm a bitch. So what? Like I get stuff done and I'm confident and I'm all these different things. So I think that definitely changed my view of it because mm -hmm. I know that, you know, so many, especially primarily men use it as, you know, a negative term for people to try to to try to insult people or women or anybody. Um, and so I think it's nice that it like has been taken into a new context of, yeah, I'm a really powerful and intimidating person. What are you going to do about it? That yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That reappropriation. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Well, Marin, thank you so much for spending this time with us on It's Personal, the podcast. I'm really glad that I got to be the one yeah, to interview you. Yeah, me too. You. Um, thank you. Most people listening won't know, but we, wor we work together. Yeah. And it was delightful. Which is how I got you to come into the show. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I really, 
God, I miss working on that show with you. It was so uh, it was so much fun. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah, of course. We had another yet another tragedy of the pandemic. I know. That was the Ugh. big. That was the big one for me. Was I was like, ah, I'm yeah. I'm so obsessed with this show I'm working on. I want Literally. to keep keep doing yeah. that, but literally well one day it came back once it's true could come back again (laughs) (laughs) um but until next time Marin, thank you so much i talk to you soon thank you it's personal is a live storytelling show with a twist you can find tickets to future shows in the 2021 season at itspersonalonstage.com or in the link in our instagram bio at It's Personal On Stage. While you're on our website, take a second to catch up with our blog. Sign up for a class or two. Invest in a membership and explore our store for the coolest merch in town. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.